You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. The U.S. Supreme Court this week heard arguments on Facebook and Twitter and social media. Are they publishers or are they platforms? In English, what that basically means is can social media platforms discriminate based on political affiliation? In other words, if you're conservative or liberal and you write something, they take it down. Is that discrimination or do you have a right to be on social media? So to talk about this is our social media guru expert, our good friend Chris Spangle. known Chris Spangle for 20 years. He does the Chris Spangle show on the We Are Libertarians platform. He's also a podcaster and social media guru in his own right. So Chris, my friend, thank you very much for being with us, old friend. Always good to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. It's always uh, great to talk to you, but it's better to see your face. Thank you so much for having me. It's always uh, great to talk to you, but it's better to see your face. <laughs> hey, no worries, my friends. Let's start our conversation. Um, when we talk about social media, Facebook, Twitter, or X, or whatever you call it these days, or, or Parler, or whatever, um, do they, do social media companies, in your opinion, have a right to discriminate against content? Do I have a right to let you in my house if I want or not? <laughs> I, I, uh, you're asking a libertarian, and the foundation of libertarianism is property rights. Private property and then voluntary association when interacting with that private property. And I tend to take the side of the the folks that are suing Texas and Florida in this case because what they're saying is they it's their property. They have a right to do with it what they will. And I think we're in a different era. This is one of these tired talking points that really worked in 2016, 2017, maybe 2018. But social media censorship, I think, has run its course as a talking point. And you, you didn't even really hear in the debates, in that first debate amongst all the Republican presidential candidates, they never used the word woke. They never talked about cancel culture. And I think they're always lagging indicators, politicians. They talk about things that people want to hear. I think everybody realizes, look, this is just how it is. Start your own. Rumble has done a great job of coming on and being a really strong competitor to YouTube for conservative voices. Truth Social, I think the bid recently for it was had a B in front of it, right? There's a lot more alternatives than when this talking point really worked in 2017. And if you don't like it, just change the channel, right? Isn't that what we always said back in the old days during the Janet Jackson stuff? Exactly. And also, too, I, I remind people that at the end of the day, if you were to allow, if you were to prohibit social media platforms from discriminating against political points of view, then the, to a certain degree, Chris, I could argue that, hey, guess what? That means no more political discussion, which means basically it's just pictures of cats playing the piano. They just removed news and political discussion from social media in Canada altogether. And I don't know how that benefits society. I look at this like the fairness doctrine. The Fairness Doctrine was enacted, I think, in 42, when there wasn't really television. All you had was newspapers and radio, and it was a very powerful form of medium, a powerful medium. Obviously, we saw that with FDR and Hitler in Germany used radio extensively to, to gain a lot of power, and that's because it was all there was, right? We don't have that now. You don't have just a t Facebook and a Twitter you have a Facebook, a Twitter, a Truth Social, YouTube, a podcast, broadcast television. You can get a single cable channel on 15 different ways now, right? So there's so many different ways to access information. And I just find it really odd that conservatives are trying to argue for a fairness doctrine for the internet. So you essentially have, for those that don't know, the fairness doctrine basically said you had to give equal time to all parties, and then when the Fairness Doctrine was eventually repealed, that opened the doors for conservative talk radio 
which obviously led to the Reagan revolution. It led to whatever we have with Trump. But this is a form of the fairness doctrine where you're saying to these companies, you must use your property to speak the way that we think you ought to speak. And they're trying to argue that these are common carriers, like a cell phone company. And that just doesn't make any sense. I, I tend to side with the argument that they're more editorial, that they're making decisions using mass AI-driven alg- algorithmic uh, censorship, although it's not censorship, it's more of an editorial decision, right? They don't want pornography. They don't want violent conversation. They don't want racism on their platforms. And they have every right to do that. It's their house. They bought the servers. They pay for the employees to make this happen. And when they go away, society's probably going to be better off for it. It's not a utility. It's not the same thing. And I think to argue that you need to regulate them like a utility just smacks like a conservative fairness doctrine, which I wouldn't be in favor of in any way. Our guests on the program today is our good friend Chris Spangle, Chris, the host of Chris Spangle Show on the We Are Libertarians uh, social media platform. Chris also, he and I have known each other for 20 years since I came to Indiana back in 2004. Chris, I thought it was interesting because that whole argument about these are it's like a cell phone or, or, or maybe like a telephone. They say telephones, they can't discriminate based on your conversation. But the purpose of a telephone conversation is different than the purpose of a social media platform. Yeah, and they, the law is very vague, and this is something that it's actually being argued on uh, Monday, February 26th. And what, what happened in the arguments was multiple justices picking apart a, defi- a definition of what does this service entail. Does that ent- entail Amazon Web Services, which powers a lot of the Internet, pretty big majority of the Internet at this point? Does a government have a right to then censor Amazon Web Services? Or what about Etsy? Is Etsy one of these common carrier platforms where people sign up and sell goods? Do you then have a right to censor what T-shirts are then sold? Do you have? Uh, do you then has a state have a right to control Uber and what drivers they have and what they use? So you started to see the nebulous argument here by these states where they're doing a t- something that I see Joe Biden do a lot, for instance, like with his vaccine mandate. He knew that it was never going to actually hold up in courts, but he knew it would be very popular with the media and uh, majority of the country if he passed some sort of vaccine mandate for businesses. And then he expected the court to strike it down, which they dutifully did. And so you see right and left politicians continually passing all of these laws that they know the courts will then strike down. And you never hear about the court striking it down a year later. That moment has passed, but they got the temporary boost. The forgiveness for student loans, uh, it was a little bit of that for Joe Biden as well. He's doing it a lot more than conservatives. But this is what it is. It's really trying to appeal to their base and for someone like Ken Paxson to look like he's doing something in Texas. Ron DeSantis, as he tees up to run for president, passed this. And so he can then say, look, I've taken them on. That didn't really work. Ron's back in Florida (laughs) enjoying a mojito. But the dangers of it actually working and the Supreme Court siding with them would have far-reaching effects beyond just the three social media companies that we talk about. And that's why it's really dangerous. And this is an argument I made to conservative friends time and time again. You never want to empower the greater censor in service of punishing the smaller censor. And yes, these social media companies have they've materially harmed my business at We Are Libertarians by taking our Facebook group over dumb memes. But they have a right to do that, 
and I was stupid to build my house in their sandbox. But I don't want to empower the government to have tools that they shouldn't have, and then everybody gets hurt permanently in a way that they can't repeal because I want to punish somebody that hurt my feelings because they took down a meme. Our guests on the program today is our good friend Chris Spangle, host of Chris Spangle Show on the We Are Libertarian social media platform. So we're talking about the Supreme Court decision that some of you folks may be familiar with that we heard on Monday about challenging whether when social media social media companies take down content, for example, mostly political content, are they discriminated against political speech? So we're having a good conversation about all that. Chris, another thing I thought was interesting too in this whole platform discussion, and you said it earlier, how politicians tend to be lagging when it comes to social media, they're having arguments that we had like, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago. <laughs> right. What, what does it tell you that on a Supreme Court with justices who some of them are, let's face it, you know, up there, that may not understand exactly, okay, so what is this ex-Twitter Elon Musk thing going on here? <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with trying to sort society through the government to begin with, because the government is slow by design. That was the way that the founders designed our government is that it would insulate us from the wild passions of the public, which we seem to live in thanks to social media. And it's meant to be slow. It's meant to take its time. And eight years after a subject comes up, it's thoughtfully and carefully considered at the Supreme Court, having been through multiple courts and decided on and thought through. That's all really good, right? It, it doesn't feel good a lot of times in talk radio land or on, I don't know, I don't know what the liberal version of that is, right? But that's the way that it's designed. And, and you have senators who craft these policies who don't understand how it works. And if they do understand how it works, it's usually because a lobbyist group paid for them to understand how it works. And the effects of such a law then have these unintended consequences that they didn't anticipate and are worse than the original effects. So that's the problem of trying to organize through government as opposed to solving a problem by profit through businesses and the marketplace or solving a problem through compassion using civil society and neighborhoods, family, nonprofits. That's what makes up civil society. So we've got to be really careful about what we ask our politicians to do and what we push them to do. And because that that oftentimes is permanent. Look at the AUMF in Iraq and Afghanistan. We're not even at war in those countries, but there's still a law that says they can spend money to bomb whatever country they want. Edward Snowden exposed massive amounts of lies in terms of domestic spying. Everybody shrugged their shoulders and went, that's terrible. And then it's still here. This phone call is being recorded. We've got to be very careful about what we ask our politicians to do and who we actually elect. Also, Chris, you also bring up an interesting, an interesting point. I want to uh, explore this with a little bit. Like I said, the argument that the say social media was say maybe like the telephone or the cell phone, you know, twenty years ago, not many people had them. Now they've got them, and so that is what makes the, the government regulation that much more important. The fact that so many people are on social media, it's how we disseminate information. It's like the it's like the electric company, it's like the gas company, and it's like your cell phone company. No. Everything I do for a living didn't exist when I graduated high school in 2002. And it's because government regulation can't keep up with innovation in the tech space. And that's a good thing, right? There are negative effects to it. But think of how many trillions of dollars are made in terms of people having new opportunities, new jobs, new problems being identified, and then new businesses and 
new nonprofits being formed to solve those solutions. We live in a great age. As Louis C.K. said, we're flying through a chair in the air and nobody's happy. <laughs> and this push from both the left and the right to get their arms around it and try to control it, I think, is incredibly dangerous because they really just want us to live as they see fit as opposed to this great age when we can start to live as we want and voluntarily associate with each other as opposed to being forced to publish the rantings of a candidate that we don't agree with, that we don't think the... I'd I'd also say with the Florida law or Texas and, and some of this stuff, conservatives say, oh, we're being censored. But when you really look at the censorship, it's not like these platforms are pulling them off for talking about Yeah, Ben Shapiro's number one on Facebook and has been for years, right? They're, they rule social media, and that's really where they'd be the first to go, which is why it doesn't make sense. Uh, and I was moving towards a point, but I forget what it was. Like, the reality is conservatives do thrive in these environments, and why they'd want to materially change that and hurt themselves doesn't make any sense to me because it's given them the counterbalance of the New York Times, People who complain about the mainstream media now, I just laugh at them. That doesn't exist. All that's going to matter in two to ten years, Abdul, is who you know in person. Because everything online is going to be AI-generated, lacking the human touch. It's going to be unbelievable, literally. Who you know in person and interpersonal groups, I just think, is going to have such incredible importance. And with the development of AI and its rapid rise... That's really what's going to matter. This Supreme Court struck down challenges to Section 230 and said we're not changing it. Section 230 basically says, look, they're not legally liable for what I say on their platform. And I I don't see that changing. I don't think that this Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of these two companies. You have a pretty strong libertarian streak in a lot of the conservative justices. On free speech, you're obviously going to get that with the more progressive-leaning justices. And they've already upheld to Section 230. So I think in terms of legal challenges, you'll continue to see this biting at the apple from the left and the right. But money rules. They have a lot of money to argue that please don't change anything. And if you are going to write regulations, let us write it so we can cement our position. I wouldn't expect a big change. I wouldn't expect a lot of change at all on a legal front. But I do think you're going to see more and more people moving off social media. I run big Facebook pages, and I can tell you the amount of deactivations from people just shutting all of this off over the last year or two has been huge. And you're going to see a big push for people meeting in person moving forward, especially as AI just clogs the tubes with a lot of cholesterol (laughs) and, and just junk that people don't actually want. All right, our guest on the program today talking about social media and the Supreme Court hearings this week, our good friend Chris Bengel. Chris Bengel does the Chris Bengel Show on the We Are Libertarians podcast, wearelibertarians.com.org.net, whatever the hell that is. Chris, my friend. Google us. Exactly. Always good to talk to you, my friend. All right. Thanks, Abdul. Appreciate it.